You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless Tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for information on joining. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. This is Scott. And this is Sean. And uh, I... Happy Festivus, everybody. The Orlando Airport set up a Festivus pole with a note on it to travelers saying, do not use this pole for dancing. <laughs> it's sacrilegious. <laughs> yeah, so anybody who doesn't know what Festivus is, shame on you for not celebrating the holidays. But uh, you can go ahead and Google what Festivus is. Uh, it's from uh, Jerry Seinfeld from... Oh, what year was this? Quite a while ago. Let's see. It says here. It says, uh, Festivus is an alternative holiday to Christmas created in an episode of Seinfeld, which is true. It'll really be validated when the USPS issues a stamp for it. Yes. Yes. There you go. Which probably isn't far off, judging by the political climate in this country (laughs) at the moment. (laughs) And Sean, you have a uh, trivia fact to share. Okay, so it's about Switzerland, because I was going through Swiss stamps, and in 1859, inside the Swiss, con- they added into their constitution that Switzerland can no longer send mercenaries to other countries. Oh. Even though they still do today, they don't really follow their law, because, you know, the Pope has uh, a <laughs> yeah, right. So they break, their, they break the one law that they put <laughs> to their constitution, so. But they can send knives. Yes. You, you also have a trivia fact about Latvia. Yeah, in Latvia, they import. They are the largest importer of mackerel in the world, and they also are the largest exporter of mackerel in the world. <laughs> so they just so obviously they're laundering mackerel. Yeah. <laughs> they in don't. And out. They don't like their mackerel. They want other people's mackerel. But, um, I don't know. Well, Scott, uh, what crossed your desk this week? Uh, well, I had a whole bunch of Danzig, which uh, is, is just seems to be. Well, it's it's a lot of it's not Scott listed, and a lot of it is uh, possibly faked. So, a lot um, of it is th- fake. That that that's going to go to our specialized expert. And then I also had a uh, seventy-eight pr- plate proof on card that is not in a shade listed in the catalog. It is a deep blackish violet. So what stamp is it? It's a seventy-eight. Which tell people which is a twenty-four cent uh, stamp from George Washington Civil War yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's not it's not listed in the catalog in that shade, and so I've been re- reaching out to uh, some other experts to kind of see whether it's something that we can list or if it's uh, actually something other than what I think it is. What do you think it is? I think it's a plate proof on card P four. Oh, just in a they were just in an unlisted color. Yeah, they were trying out. That's what I think it is. But uh, well, this goes to the conversation we had at the last uh, show about um, 
the proofs in essays about how there are so many of them that you know they're all different. You well, know, well, the other the thing, production the other thing is are, there are books out there that list some of these proofs and essays that are not listed in the Scott catalog. And, uh, you know, it's, at some point we need to kind of merge all of this information into one big pile. And, uh, but, uh, you know, there, it's a very specialized area and not a lot of people collect it. And so finding somebody to do the job and then getting a bunch of other people to care <laughs> can be difficult. Well, if you get a catalog, people will care. If you don't have a catalog, people don't care. That's, yeah, that's, well, that's true. I mean, exactly what we were talking about last show. Well, that's true. And the reason why I say it's 78 instead of 70 is, uh, is based on the blackish-violet color because 78 comes in a blackish-violet. It's a very expensive shade. Uh, and so, uh, you know, maybe it's a trial color proof on card. Either way, it's not listed. Well, it's a very interesting issue. Why don't you tell people about the soft paper be, or the thin paper? Because that's a good indicator, too. Well, no, it's not. I mean, uh, you have 70 and 78. 70 was on a, a uh, more translucent, slightly thinner paper than 78. And, uh, and most people look at 70 and 78, and the only way they want to classify them is by shade. But really, you have to classify them by paper first and then shade. And uh, so there's really a lot more shades to some of these catalog listings than are actually listed in the catalog. Um, but 70 actually has a thin paper variety. Two of the, two of the shades come in, in a thin paper variety that, uh, where the paper is actually even thinner than normal. And uh, really, the the only way to, to get a handle on that is to just by experience and handling a lot of copies. Yeah, well, uh, in my opinion, if a person is a novice and they need to sell, they need to fill these two spots. They have two spots for the 24-cent Civil War issue. I suggest you find the thin paper, which is guaranteed to be a number 70. But the thick paper, the thicker paper, is not guaranteed to be a seventy-eight. It could be a seventy also. Right. the The seventy-eight's on a slightly thicker, slightly softer paper than the seventy. So if you um, the 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 mesh or weave of the paper is a little bit more uniform and less translucent than the seventy, and I mean, sometimes it can be difficult even for experts to tell. Uh, well, because there's no just from a quick line. look. Yeah, there's no way really. Well, you have to draw a line somewhere, yeah. and that's just it. And uh, but the, yeah, the the thinner paper uh, tend to be the more expensive uh, varieties as well. Yeah. So if you have the two spots and you put a thin paper in one, and then in the second spot you find just a gray one, because a gray one will never be a seventy. And so you have a, a thin paper in the 70 spot and a gray paper in the 78, and you're guaranteed to have them identified correctly. Well, another thing you need to watch out for is, is uh, that design that has a greenish tint to it. The greenish tint indicates that this, the, the paper, the stamp has been cleaned in some fashion, and the color, is, color has been altered. Oh, yeah. They, they turn green. Um, this also happens with the 37. It'll turn greenish 
when uh, when you use certain chemicals on these stamps. And so anytime, even a novice can spot a stamp that has a greenish cast to it, and you just don't want those. And they're most often mistaken for the steel blue variety, which uh, um, people chase after that like it's, you know, one of those really... It's like chasing after unicorns. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I mean they exist, and once you know how to, once you know what they look like, they're not hard to spot. They're just uh, not common. Well, here's an easy thing: steel blue doesn't look like steel, and it isn't blue. <laughs> well, so, that really helps. So it's best for you just to like go to the seagull or you know uh, do a Google search or something and go, oh, this is the color, and then just sort of imprint it in your head. Well, yeah, it doesn't look like steel. It doesn't look like blue. But if you uh, have ever held a, a high end gun that has a steel bluish steel look to it. That's, no, it, yeah. I, I have held them, and it still doesn't match. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot closer than you think. Well, okay. So, Jim, what crossed your desk this week? So, I was um, confronted this week with a interesting stamp. Um, somebody submitted a five seventy nine, which is the eleven by ten uh, perforation, and it's a rotary press printing. So. Because it's a rotary press printing, it has a certain um, design sh uh, size that's different than the flat plate. I checked the design size. First, I did the perforations, and it did perf 11 by 10. Then I checked the design size, and it was proper for the rotary press. The problem I had was that the perforations on the stamp themselves did not look right. Just something about them. What, they, were, they were different depths of... Um, uh, well, let me guess. That was at the top and the bottom. Yeah, of course. Of course, because you can fake a 579 from a 599 coil. Yeah, and that's what, that's what I was getting. Is That's what I thought it was. That's what I called it. But... The um, the interesting thing about it was that there was um, another opinion that was with this stamp that called them rogue perfs. And I've seen rogue perfs before that just look different, but it's just one pin that was bad. But these were um, consistently either too deep or not deep enough, side by side, and their size varied. Some were bigger than the others. So it, it just didn't look right. And I just thought I would mention it, and then Scott brought up the reason, is because you can easily fake them because the the 599 is the same stamp without the, the what is the Perf 10 that they fake. No, it's the Perf 11. Perf 11 on the top? Yeah, yeah. Perf top, 11. Top and bottom that they fake. Mm -hmm. And the other thing you have to watch out for is sometimes... Those come with uh, tab margins. Basically, they were not perforated at either the top margin or the bottom margin of the sheet. Right. And so while one side might be genuine, the other side might not be because they took a wide tab margin and added the perfs 
So you, you do have to be careful on 578 and 579. Yes. And in actuality, those large imperforate margin stamps, the tabs or whatever, uh, whatever you want to call them, those were sought out after, those were sought after by the fakers. The fakers well, yeah. specifically looked for those stamps because they could make really nice, well-centered, big stamps. Now, those are genuine 578, 579s. Right. They're just reperforated on one side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, they'd have to be genuine because you, you wouldn't get the combination perf otherwise. That would, the, well, bottoms, the bottom's genuine, the sides are genuine, the top's reperfed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in that case, we would just call it a genuine stamp uh, reperforated on one side. This happens a lot with uh, British stamps with their wing margins. Uh, yeah, wing for some reason, uh, uh, I always thought wing margin stamps from the Brit- British Commonwealth were, were actually better items. And turns out well, uh, most collectors of British Commonwealth don't like them. It's the same thing as a straight edge. It's the right side or left side of the sheet um, will have this really wide margin on it so that instead of putting a line down it, they'd put a space down it, and that would tell them where to separate the sheet. And people didn't like them. So the problem with British stamps, though, is that they are reperforated with a comb perforator. And they were originally perforated with a comb perforator. So the fakers are using the same process that the post office used. Here in the United States, we're kind of, we've got a benefit because they were using a rotary perforator, a wheel of pins, which is very difficult to fake, versus a comb perforator, which is exactly what it sounds like. You literally have a comb, and the comb pushes down. And I mean a comb like you comb your hair with. And imagine those, each of those little pegs was sharp, and it would come straight down and make a nice, clean, straight hole. That's one of the problems with British Commonwealth, is um, you cannot tell the perforations that easily, except that they have letters in their corners. So you know when it's a right sh- right sheet stamp or left sheet stamp, and then you go... Uh, these don't look right. <laughs> so, but they have the same problem there. And again, the fakers seek these out and reperforate them because they can get them cheap and then make them expensive. So, Mark, what crossed your desk? Well, I had some uh, Canal Zone um, stamps come by with the Canal Zone overprint in black. Uh, the earlier ones had the uh, types one through uh, four, I think, uh, overprints, and um, they're designed as a punishment for people who expertize the stamps <laughs> um, to try and figure out what type it is. So, uh, so yeah, that was that was a, a, a thin slice of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, what crossed your desk? So, I'm going through a lot of Swiss stamps, and in more specific, there's the semi-postal Swiss stamps, and. Uh, the Swiss have been issuing semi-postal stamps since the early uh, 1900s, and every single year they would come out with four stamps, all of like the same rates, like kind of like a famous American. But they would be semi-postals, and so a part of the uh, there'd be a number on the stamp, and they'd give that much money to charity. Mm-hmm. And 
every single year they'd come before and they started off with their Canton flags, which is like a state flag. And then they started doing just famous Swiss people and then they just ran out of famous Swiss people. So then they started doing flowers and birds and you know, whatever. Yep. That's pretty much correct. I, they were issued by the post office. And then I don't know exactly somebody should write in, but uh, I believe it was the early 1960s. They started giving them to school kids and the school kids would sell them to raise money for their schools. Uh, before that, it, it's just like the semi-postals that the United States post office issues. You know, the post office sells them and then sends a check to whoever gets it. Uh, Swiss did not necessarily do that. Well, what crossed my desk this week was not necessarily a thing, but a story. Um, I'm going to talk about stampless issues. Everybody else talked about stamps. We're talking about stampless from the period of 1812 to 1819. And you can tell these because they have really, really weird rates to them. You will see 1812, 1813, 1814 stampless covers that have a 25 cent rate or a 36 cent rate or a 40 cent rate. These really, really high rates that you look at and go, how could somebody in 1815 be paying 36 cents for this letter to be shipped? And it's an interesting story that goes into economics. Yay, economics. <laughs> um, the War of 1812, the United States wanted to raise money so that they could buy cannonballs and gunpowder. So they would go to the banks and Back then, the banks did not, the U.S. government did not issue currency. The banks issued currency, and then they backed it up with gold. And what kept the banks legit is that you could always go back and say, here's a $10 bill that you printed, give me $10 in gold, and the bank would have to give it back to you in gold. Well, in 18, I believe it was 1813, the, uh, Government said, you do not have to redeem your money in gold. So all of a sudden, all the banks said, hey, you mean if I print a million more dollars, I don't have to back it up with anything? And so banks doing what banks did, you know, they, they printed more money. And then they would print the money and they would go to the government and say, here, give me some U.S. bonds. So they'd buy bonds from the government and that way the government was happy, wouldn't shut them down. And then the government would spend the money on cannonballs and gunpowder. So you'd have these banks which were printing money, buying U.S. bonds. Then the U.S. government was spending the money and just creating a huge amount of money that went into circulation this caused massive inflation. And that's why you see covers that, you know, 10 years before were 8 cents or 6 cents, all of a sudden being 36 cents, 25 cents. Well, what happened was in 1819, the government said, okay, now you can go ahead and redeem the banknotes for gold. Well, the... New York banks, and this is one of the causes of the Civil War. 
the New York banks had accumulating, accumulated a lot of banknotes. And they went to the southern banks, and they said, here, I'm redeeming. And they took all the gold from the south. And a whole, most of the banks in the south all went insolvent. So you had this clump of New York banks, which were really strong, and they basically wiped out all the other banks in 1819. It caused a massive recession, a change in the money supply, and all of a sudden you saw the rates go back down from these really, really high rates to rates which, you know, before U.S. number one, you had rates, uh, instead of a five cent rate, which was a reduction, you had like six cent, eight cent, 10 cent rates. And so that was all because of the recession of 1819, when you had this massive deflation that you saw the postal rates go from these really high rates back down to the really low rates. And again, when you look at these covers from these periods, you're going to see really high amounts that just crater down to normal amounts at a certain point. And that's really the story of why it all occurred. So uh, I have noticed that they have fractional rates on those too. Yes. And so could you explain that? Well, it was all based on distance. You, you, um, in 18... 47, you basically had, when they issued U.S. number ones and U.S. number twos, you had basically three distances. You had less than 300 miles, more than 300 miles, and then West Coast. So you had a five-cent rate, a 10-cent rate, and then you had, I forget what it was. To 40. The 40, it was 40. Yeah, 40 cents uh, to the West Coast. Uh, before that, during the War of 1812 period, you had six or seven distances. You had a 25-mile rate, a 50-mile rate, a 100-mile rate, and then after that, I forget what it is, but you'd have several more rates. And, the, and those were fractionals? Yes. So you'd get an 18 and three-quarters or something like that? Uh, yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. so, I've seen those rates, too, yeah. Yep. Yeah, those are all eighteen uh, War of 1812 rates. So that is um, the, a little bit of history. Anybody else have anything? I noticed, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. I, no- I noticed that uh, in this week's lens, they put out a few of the new designs for 2024. Oh, yes, they did. And uh, uh, I'm not sure if I, I'm going to like the Ansel Adams it's all black and white, but uh, yeah, but he wait. photographed in black and white. I, I understand <laughs> that, but I, so I'm willing to see how they turn out. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the horses in the Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I like the Dungeons and Dragons too. I'm a Dungeons and Dragons player. We, we need to do our broadcast on the uh, design, best design for 2023. That came a, out in last week's list, right? Oh, it did. Yes. I didn't see it. So we we, we, we need to do that. that yeah. Uh, on our next one, and then we can do one follow-up what the, we expect to be uh, coming in the coming year. Because I think those were really good podcasts that we did back a year ago when we did that. Ne- <laughs> yeah, I also remember, though, the complaints that we got from the Title IX. Well, we won't, we won't do that. I won't. Well, that's not, on the, that's not on the list this year. Yeah, I won't. 
won't well, talk we were, about women in sports. We, we, we were criticized of being uh, homophobic or whatever it is right. because we didn't like the Title IX stamps. Anyway. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.